Episode 36 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Owls, the ultimate wrap-up. Right guys, welcome along to episode 36 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside that. Well, it's Christmas Eve on 2013, so because I know a lot of people who listen to the show will hear it well off in the future, and uh, like a funny example was there's a lady who comes to one of my running groups who's been listening to the show, and she goes to me, oh, I hear you're going to Europe next month, and, and I was like, I'm not going to Europe, and uh, it turned out she'd listened to an old show, and she didn't realise it wasn't just recorded recently, and so um, yeah, I suppose it's the thing about podcasts, and they kind of live on forever, but I did, I did want to get today's show out before Christmas, um, two reasons. A, my partner Joe, she's gone down to Queenstown, which is about a six-hour drive from Christchurch. Queenstown is one of the kind of most popular tourist place in New Zealand by a country mile, but probably worldwide. It's quite renowned as a, a pretty beautiful spot, and her sister lives here, so she's driven down today, and I'm going to spend half the day with my family on Christmas Day, and then fly down and spend the second half of the day with her family tomorrow. So, um, but the main reason I wanted to get this podcast out today was A, I had time, but B, it's, it's that kind of end of year period and the end of year period is, is a really great time to think about the reflection on your life for the last period of time and you know there's, there's those moments in your life you know your birthday or that 10th year birthday let's say you're hitting your 30th your 40th your 50th or so on and, and just the nature of that time makes you stop and reflect about what you've done you know in the last period of time so obviously a lot of people heading into new years will kind of think about their last year and then you also start to look forward to your future time and you know the whole idea of a new year's resolution comes up when we start to think about that stuff and so naturally this time of year is a good time just to sit down reflect and plan and when we think about that reflecting and planning the nice thing about this time of year is often we have the time to do that. You know, with the nature of the holidays, the Christmas season and the New Year season, we have that moment where we can just, you know, we're not in our daily routine. And so suddenly you've got a few hours in your day where you can just kind of sit down and reflect and, and you know, do that kind of work. And and let's be honest, that, that work is really important for your growth and your development moving, moving forward because it allows you to you know, really gauge where you are on your path of life. And then it allows you to kind of set ambition or, or reset back to a good place or, or look at where you're going in your future. And so when I was thinking about that for this month's show, I thought to myself, well, why don't I do a bit of a, a recap show? But really it's working towards creating a tool that you guys could use in this reflection period of your year to, you know, get the most out of that, that kind of reflection time. And years ago, when I first started doing a podcast, I used to always do workbooks that would sit beside the podcast. So, for example, I'd do a show on, I'm not sure, let's say one of the Black and White Rules, which was one of the first shows. And then what I'd do is I'd sell a PDF that would go beside that so that if you listen to the show and you identify that you wanted to get more from the content, well, then you could download the PDF. I think I charged like $3. It was bugger all. $3 for the PDF. And then you you know, you download it and you go away and you could actually spend a bit more time 
looking deeper into the kind of thinking behind the black and white rules and you know take it further and and I really like that because I sometimes think with content you know we hear concepts and um you know, I suppose I can speak to myself here. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I listen to an audiobook probably at least every 10 days, if not, you know, once a week. And um, and while you learn from those books, one thing I've really tried to work from within myself in the last year has been to spend some time post books and really try to install the learning that I've gained from those books. So one thing I, I'm getting really good at when I'm listening to my audiobooks is stopping it and putting bookmarks in the book when I hear things that I think I actually need to spend time exploring and getting a deeper understanding and and kind of installing those lessons in myself so that as I move forward in my life, I have those lessons as a way to look at the world. And and I think that was the, one of the real advantages of having the workbook around the show that I did early on, you know, when I did the podcast early on. Unfortunately, it was that one thing that in my own life that was the last thing on my list of things that I needed to do each month. And so while I always was able to get a podcast out, the workbook would often come after the podcast and eventually it just got to the point where I just didn't have the time to commit to doing the workbooks and um, I decided, you know what, what's the best use of my time and, and my business is going really well so I just thought, you know what, the workbooks will fall by the wayside. But then last month I thought to myself, well why don't we get a workbook put in place for this month's show and what I thought about doing was, well let's choose, you know, a few episodes and do a bit of recap on the key lessons from those episodes and to create a workbook around that so that you guys can think about those lessons but actually sit down and do the work it requires to install the lessons in your life in a way that actually practically equals change. So that's what this month's show is about. I'm going to be recapping eight topics and of I think the last time I did a, uh, let me have a look, I've got it here, I think the last time I did a recap show was episode 12, so I, you know, that was a long time ago, we're now up to episode 36, so there was, you know, two years ago we did the recap show, so I've chosen eight shows that I kind of thought were different topics and they weren't ones where I interviewed people and eight topics that I felt you guys could get a lot of value from and learning, you know, and, and recapping those things and then to do the workbook around it. And then um, what we're going to do in today's show is we're going to recap the key lessons and then the whole idea is you can listen to today's shows and you can go to my website and get the PDF off the works, website and, um, you know, and in this holiday period when you've got a bit more time, you can spend the time doing that. Now obviously some people will get this in the future, maybe you'll be listening to this and it's 2016 and you know, you've been Christmas three years ago, it was a long time ago, but um, you know, you might need to block out time around that as well. There, there will be a fee for the workbook, I'm charging $8 US for the workbook, which I think is a pretty fair price, um, it's about 35 pages long, uh, it's around 5,000 words, it's, it's pretty reflective and it's going to be pretty, some of the topics are pretty challenging, so, uh, but you know, that's what it's all about. So I'm going to put the music on and we're going to get straight into the podcast and uh, let's start the wrap-up show. As I was talking about in the introduction, there's basically going to be eight topics today, and and to be honest, this is a wrap-up show, so I'm probably going to spend around five minutes talking, probably even less to be honest, on each of the topics. Um, and if you do, if you let's say this is the first time you've ever listened to Fitness Behaviour, 
you go back to each of those episodes and you'll be able to get a lot more in depth on those topics. Um, the recap here is to really just kind of get the key principles around what we learned in those episodes so that when you go to workbook, you can, you know, use, use this as a tool with the workbook as well. So the first episode I'm going to talk about today was the reset strategy. And the reset strategy is... Um, you know, I actually think one of the most important tools that most of us can use, and, and I suppose let's start with what is the reset strategy. And the reset strategy, the best way to really think about the reset strategy is to think about those moments in your life where you break the rules you have for yourself. Now, everybody has different rules in different areas of their lives, and, and a good one is to talk around nutrition. So if we think around the rules that you maintain for nutrition, now you've probably got your everyday rules, but in this example, let's say you're someone who's gone on a diet. So when we go on a diet, one thing a diet does is a diet gives us a framework that we're trying to work around. And uh, I always find it really interesting, you know, if you look at the research into dieting, pretty much 100% of diets out there work. Um for the short term, the long term, we're not sure if that's the case, but you know, if you, you know, and most of them are just about calorie reduction, but, but anyway, what a diet ultimately does is it gives you a set of framework to work around. And what most people do when they first go on a diet is they feel this real sense of being very focused and they go on this diet and they've got these very strict rules around what they should be doing in their daily eating habits. Now, let's say you start a diet, you know, on the Monday, and you know, there's certain rules. I'm not going to go into any type of diet right now, but let's just say there's some certain rules you have around this diet. And right up till Thursday or Friday, let's say Friday, you've just been really good with those rules. You know, you've you've stuck to those rules 100%. And the benefit of that is massive. You're feeling really, really good about yourself because you've spent the time in this place where you've stayed focused on the framework you've had around your diet. But then Friday lunchtime comes along and you're at work and, and it's someone's birthday for, I don't know, let's say it's someone's birthday and they've brought in some mean looking, beautiful looking chocolate cake. And chocolate cake is your weakness. You know deep down with inside yourself that chocolate cake is that weakness you have. And, and right now with the framework you have around this diet you're having, chocolate cake doesn't sit in that framework. So while they sing happy birthday and chop up the cake and everyone's going around having a piece of cake, you have to use all of your willpower to resist that chocolate cake. And maybe because it's the end of the week and you're tired and whatever, but eventually you decide, oh bugger, I'm going to have a little bit of chocolate cake. Now that moment's really interesting because in that moment there you've stepped out of your framework of your the behaviours you've set up for this diet. So you have these behaviors that you kind of think, well, if I stick in this framework, I'm achieving my thing. Now, this chocolate cake didn't sit in that framework. So now you've eaten that chocolate cake, you've broken your rules. Now, this is a really interesting moment when we think about exercise and we think about nutrition and, and just any maintaining good behaviors is that this is where people often do the most damage. Once we break our rules, we go into a world where there's like no rules at all. What's that saying from Greece? The rules are, there ain't no rules. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure why I put that reference in there. But anyway, so the so what tends to happen is you had the chocolate cake and now you've broken your rules and you've almost stepped out of that framework that the diet had. So what happens is suddenly when you're driving home from work and you know you see McDonald's, now the frame, McDonald's doesn't sit in the framework and you think, oh bugger it. Oh, I had McDonald's because, you know, I've already eaten the chocolate cake today. 
And then when you get home from, you know, and, and when you're at McDonald's, you order more than you should. And you just think, well, bugger it, because I've broken the rules, I must go all out. And that, that kind of that saying that bugger it, I've broken the rules, I may as well go all out, is where most damage is done. It's been really interesting, some of the research around weight gains, and and it really does say that the most damage is done is when people go into this bugger it, I'm not sure if this is how they termed it in the research, but, you know, bugger it, I'm out of my rule period, I'm going to just make the most of this, you know, undisciplined time. So you go home, you have McDonald's, then you end up eating a bag of chips, and, and you eat chocolate biscuits at night, and you don't just have two chocolate biscuits, you end up eating a whole packet. Because you've gone outside of your rules into this free land, which ultimately is, is taking you to extremely bad behaviours. What tends to happen with people who go to this place is over the next period of time, they sit in a place where they maintain those bad rules. But they eventually get to the point, So, and let's say the weekend, you know, so you started your chocolate cake on Friday afternoon. And then for the weekend, you just eat crap all weekend. But to yourself in your own mind, you're telling yourself, doesn't matter, on Monday morning, I'm going to go back to the framework of my diet. So from Friday lunchtime, when you have your chocolate cake, right through Friday night, right through Saturday, right through Sunday, you go to these extremely destructive behaviors and to the, you know, to the, the highest level of the, you know, you don't just have two chocolate biscuits, you have a whole packet. You go to these extreme behaviors for two and a half days. But in your mind, you have this idea that I'm going to reset back to my great framework, the diet that I had had on Monday morning. If you think about the amount of food in this example that you would take on board in those two and a half days, you can see why a lot of people think, or research at least, says that that's actually the worst time for putting weight on. It's when we go into out of our framework or out of our own rules that we go to extremes. Now, we all have moments where we lack discipline. We all have moments where you have that chocolate cake in front of you and you just, you know, you just you can't say no. We all have those weak moments in our life. But really what we want to get good at doing is we want to get good at figuring out when we've gone into this destructive, no rules world and we want to go back to our reset faster. So the reset in the example I've been talking about is the Monday morning. So, you know, Friday afternoon, chocolate cake, and then just excessive eating right through to Monday morning. Now, on Sunday, when you're still eating excessively, you're telling yourself, doesn't matter, on Monday morning, I'm going to go back to my framework. And that's what we think about as the reset. The only downfall of the way you've used the reset is, you know, reset going back to good behaviors, is you've left it too long. So if we look at this example, what you've done is you've gone chocolate cake and then for two and a half days you've had these excessive amounts of, of you know, unhealthy food. Let's say you had the chocolate cake you know, and you love the chocolate cake and you realize that suddenly you start thinking about having takeaway food on the way home from work. Now if you could figure that out in that moment to be consciously aware that hey, I'm now eating these, you know, chocolate cake, which now starting to think about all these other, you know, bad behaviors that I could potentially go down. If you can put a reset in place then that says, okay, at five o'clock today, I'm going to reset back to the framework of my diet. You will avoid over two days of bad eating. And that's what we think about when we think about the reset strategy. The reset strategy is about you learning when you've gone down your destructive path, 
and how to minimize the amount of time and damage you will do in that time. Really, what we want to do is we want to become masters of learning those moments, become masters of learning, okay, I've fallen off the wagon, or become masters of learning, you know, how to reset back to good behaviors. Again, no one's perfect, no one never makes, well, there might be the odd 0.0001% of persons who's 100% disciplined, but the majority of us will have our struggles around discipline in certain areas of our lives. What we want to do is we want to become great at not allowing that to take us down a path that damages us in ways that are massive. In the show where I did on the reset strategy, which is episode 14 of Fitness Behaviour, I talked a lot about the whole idea of... um, you know, exercise, how the reset strategy also works for exercise as well. So go back and listen to episode 14, but I think you probably have a good understanding of how the reset strategy works. So that's the first topic that's going to be in the workbook. So if you really think about, you know, the reset strategy and look at how long you spend in those times and how you could delay that and get back to reset faster, you can see how that could be a really powerful tool on allowing you to stay in your, in rules that you feel are healthy for you for a longer period of time. So that's that's the first section that I'm going to be doing or that you kind of cover in uh, the workbook. The second section you're going to be covering is which the episode, now let me have a look, uh, episode 15, straight after 14, uh, and that's the where to compare episode. Episode 15 of this behavior was where to compare. Now the where to compare episode was really about how comparison often leads to inaction. And we see it particularly with newer exercises, that the newer exerciser has a mindset that when they go into the exercise environment, they're comparing themselves to everybody in that environment. And let's be honest, if you're a new exerciser, let's say you haven't exercised in a long time, if you're going to go into an environment where there are people exercising, high chances you're going to be the most unfit person there. And being the most unfit person there, if you start comparing yourself to everybody else in the room, what's that going to lead to? It's going to tell you that you're not good enough, it's going to tell you that you're never going to get there, and ultimately it's going to push you away from moving towards environments that could ultimately be really helpful in you doing what you want to do. Now it's a really common trait, this, this comparison to people or you know, people, basically people, people uh, who are of a higher level to us that restrict us. You know, I, I know I see it myself with my piano sometimes. I've got a friend called Sean, and Sean is, like, he got to grade 8 as a pianist, so grade 8 is, like, one of the, you know, that's very, very high level. And I would say as a pianist right now, I probably sit on about a, maybe a 4 or a 5 as a pianist. Not a great pianist yet. I've still got a lot of work to do, but I'm, you know, I'm progressing along really well. Now, when Sean comes around to my house, he jumps on the piano and, you know, stuff that I've worked hours and hours and hours on, and I would probably say I'm still not that amazing at, he comes along and he just pops on and can just knock it out of the park. Now, if I compare myself to Sean, I'm just going to be, bad, feel bad about myself, feel I'm never going to get there, feel it's going to, you know, that, you know, I'm just not good enough. Now, I can look to Sean and I can say, well, Sean's inspiration to me. Wow, man, that's what I'm aiming to get to. But if I'm going to compare myself to him, I'm only going to hurt myself. I'm only going to lead to the point where I'll become demotivated because I don't see myself as being successful. And 
it's really fascinating to see how much this restricts people. It's a massive thing that because we set ourselves up for failure, because we're comparing ourselves to standards that aren't fair for ourselves. And in the podcast, I talked about really what we need to be doing is we need to be understanding where my current ability is. Because that's the measure that you should be using as you look around your growth from that moment forward. If you're the person walking into a new exercise environment and it's filled with fit people who look like they do it you know, seamlessly and you're just huffing and puffing and dying the whole time, if you compare to them, you're just going to tell yourself you're bad. But if you had measured, okay, well, where am I right now? Where do I sit in my current ability with exercise? You might figure out that a 20-minute walk is pretty tough for you. So when you go into that environment, you can know, okay, well, today's aim is to try to go a little bit above my ability that I sit in right now. Your comparison is based on your current ability, based on measurements that are real, you know, that are facts. So that when you go into those environments, you can look at those people and go, wow, those people are pretty impressive. And I hope to be one of those people one day, but they're well above my level. And it would be unfair on myself to measure myself against those people. And that's what we really think about when we think about where to compare. You've got to become good at looking at those areas where comparison has restricted you or created insecurity, which has led to inaction. And then what you need to do is you need to learn to move towards those areas if they're important to you, but based on where your start point is with, based on your current ability. And then as you look for your movement and your growth forward from that moment, you're comparing yourself to that moment funny I have a friend who's a singer and um, she sings in, in a choir and I was talking to her about it the other day and um, she's joined this choir recently she sang a lot when she was in a band when she was younger and she kind of pulled away from music and in the last you know 12 months she's got back into her music and she's a good singer obviously because she got picked for the choir but she doesn't have a lot of the music skills to be able to sight read and, and it's an important part of the choir and she feels you know she she compares to some of the people in the group and uh, you know it's a, we've got some people who can you know pretty high level around their music sight reading and, and the skills around music and one thing we talked about is well why, why don't you just kind of tape yourself doing some sight reading once a month and then when you go back the next month listen to how you sight read that month and then do it again and that way she can see her own growth and she's comparing herself based on where she is right now because often when we compare ourselves, and this is one thing, geez, I'm probably going on a little bit too much here, but often when we compare ourselves, we compare ourselves to the very best in the field that you want to be good in. And, you know, the very best person in any field has spent hundreds and hundreds of hours and, and, and mind energy and practice and, you know, development of self to get to their level. At one stage, they were probably where you are now, but you can't compare to that because your ability is based on where you are right now. So in the workbook, obviously, I've got a lot of questions and uh, some tools, you know, some a line of thinking that gets you to think about, you know, the areas you want to work on, where your current ability is, and where you'll be comparing from this moment forward in a way that's healthy, that makes you feel successful and leads you towards action in that area. So that was episode 15, and that was the reset strategy. The next one I talk about is time to rest, and I think this is, I think I kind of I kind of did, it's kind of kind of two shows because it's kind of episode 16, but also I kind of did one on time management. Uh, I think it was 28. So it kind of, this one here could probably sit between both episodes. But in this one here, 
it's really funny actually. I wrote a piece recently around the whole idea of maybe you're not good. Um, well, no, how do I put this better? Around the idea that people beat themselves up because they don't do the things that they know they should do in their lives. So, and in the piece I wrote around the idea of let's say you want to start a hobby, and um, you know, painting for example, and you know, in this painting hobby. You, you go to the paint shop and you buy all the paints and, you, you know, you buy a canvas and you buy some books on how to paint and you plan, you know, I'm going to start painting. And then, you know, you think to yourself, okay, Monday night after work, I'm going to do my painting. And then Monday night comes along, it's been a hard day at work, you're tired, you know, the painting, you know, you, look, you know you're meant to be doing the painting, but it just doesn't happen. And then over time, you know, you keep, putting off painting because you just you know it just seems like a mentally hard task and um, you know in this piece I talked about well maybe it's not that you are mentally weak it's just that you're trying to put an activity in your life at the time when you're you know a challenging activity because it's a new skill and a time when you're mentally tired and that's what we talk about when we talk about this kind of time to rest is that a mental ability only has so much good energy the analogy we use in the podcast is that when I do a bicep curl at the gym, if I, you know, there's only so many bicep curls that my muscle can handle. I can do 100 bicep curls with a really light weight. Let's say, well, let's go heavy weight. I can maybe do like 10 to 20, but eventually the bicep just fatigues and gives up. Well, your mind is the same thing. Your mind is like an energy tank of focus that it can give to good activities in your day. And when you know this, you can start to think about, well, what are the activities that are going to take up more of my energy? And in the podcast, I talked about how habits don't tend to cost you much mind energy. Brushing my teeth, I don't have to think about it. But in your day, there are those things that, you know, with those habits where you do need good energy. And this is what we talked about when we talked about those podcasts is how can you A, put activities in places where you're going to have good energy and then also how can you use rest and nutrition as great strategies to re to recharge that energy so the activities in your day have, you know, those ones that do need more energy can be approached with, with what they need. It's, it's funny, I really think about my day in that way. So for example, today, um, I woke up at about 5.30 in the morning, I did some reading, and then I looked at my day ahead of me, and, I, and I've got a busy day because it's that day before Christmas, and you have to get everything done, and I thought my only chance of getting a good workout is, is in the morning. And then I'm, I'm actually doing like three podcasts for some other shows today as well, so I knew that was going to be a big mind thing, so I thought, well, I'll go to the gym, then I'll come home, I'll do some breakfast, some stuff like that, and then I'll do some minor stuff, and then I'm going to sit down at my computer, because I know I'm pretty fresh in the morning. Now, around about an hour ago, after my first podcast, I stopped, I went outside, I had a glass of water, you know, I just did small little recharges, so then when I came into this podcast, I had more time and energy to focus on, you know, giving, giving, you know, doing a good show. And, you know, so after this, I'm going to stop, I'm going to have lunch, I'm going to meditate, then I've got piano, and piano is a, a challenging thing. So you can kind of see how I'm trying to manage my mind energy so that I can be as effective as I can in those activities in my day that require the better energy. And when we think about that, it's about you placing your good energy into those times and also think about how you can rest and use nutrition to have the better energy for those times in your day.
The example I talked about, you know, that piece around the art hobby. Well, if you know that eight o'clock at night at the end of your day is the, you know, when you're tired and you just want to unwind in front of the TV or, or spend some time with your partner or just read a book, that's not a good time to plan, you know, painting. But if you know that after lunch you've got a couple hours spare, you have lunch, you feel rested, that's a good time to try to bring a hobby in that's, you know, it's a bit more of a mind demanding activity. So in the workbook, what we do with this topic here is we spend some time just looking at, you know, what are those tasks that you need to put more energy in and and what are those best times in your days to think about this stuff. And then also to really kind of contemplate what are some rest strategies that you can put in place in your day to also recharge as well. So that's what we really address when we address that section of the workbook. The next, the next part of the workbook is one called the Process Challenge. Now, the Process Challenge I did in episode 19, and the Process Challenge was, uh, I have to admit, it, it, it was kind of one of those things that has had a big influence on my own life, and the Process Challenge really is, how do I put it, when you think about it, when you set goals in your life, like, the whole idea of setting a goal is that you're trying to find a, a higher version, a higher level version of yourself. Now what we tend to do is when we set a goal, we do want an outcome. So let's say you set a goal of, of running a marathon. So you're obviously getting to the finish line of that marathon, that, that day, the experience where you run the marathon and get to the finish line, that's going to be you know, a, a, an amazing experience where you'll learn a lot about yourself and, and it'll be one of those days you take forward for the rest of your life because you've grown as a person. But when we set a goal, what we also want to experience is that higher level of self. And when we set that goal, that ambitious goal where you know we want the outcome at the end, what we experience is a tightening up of our behaviours that show us that higher level of self. And what do I mean here? Well, when you've got the right goal, the right outcome that really does motivate you and excite you, and let's just use the marathon example, suddenly the idea of going out for a run in the rain doesn't seem to be that challenging. You just want to be doing it. Suddenly, you eat better because you see this goal is important. So, you know, whereas previously you might have, you know, had those snacks at night because, you know, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just, it doesn't matter if I have a few snacks. Suddenly, because you're focused, those snacks, suddenly they aren't appealing and you don't even see them in your mind. You want to sleep better because you know it's important for your training. When you train, you train with a higher quality. You can kind of start to see that if you have the right goal or outcome, a certain set of behaviours come along and they will main, you'll maintain them for that period of time up to the goal. Now what's really interesting is that I always find the moment after the person achieves the goal, so let's say you've run the marathon and you've had this, you know, maybe a 12-week, 16-week period where you've eaten good food, you've slept well, you've time management's been amazing, you, you've just felt good about yourself because you've had these amazing behaviours that have taken you to a higher level of self. What we tend to find is that people will come out of that goal, so they'll run the marathon, and there's always a down period, and ideally what you want to do is reset a new goal pretty early on, but if you don't, you tend to find that you have the intention of maintaining the behaviours you had while you're leading up to your marathon, but slowly they slip away. So let's say good nutrition, you know, you you figured out how to have good nutrition leading up to the marathon, and after the marathon you think, I'm going to maintain those habits, but then, you know, a month later, suddenly you are having those bad snacks at night again. 
And when we think about the process challenge, we're kind of not so worried about the outcome, the marathon goal. What we're looking at is we're looking at, well, what are those behaviours you maintain when you are the most focused version of yourself? What are those behaviours you maintain when you're the most focused version of yourself? And really what you're looking at then is, when I'm being that best version of myself, let's look at rest. How much sleep do I get? You know, like for me, I need seven hours a night and I meditate every day. So I kind of, you know, six to seven hours sleep a night and then my meditation. I need that much rest. Now, when I'm unfocused, I'll have those nights where I only get four hours sleep because I'll play my iPhone too much at night. So you're, you're kind of starting to look at what are my best practices, what are my best place to be when I'm at my best. And then you're thinking, well, what are the, the behaviors that set up that best practice? So for example, let's, let's just look at rest again. You may find that you know when you're not behaving well, and I know I don't want to sound like your mother, but when you're not behaving well, you stay up you know, watching TV till 12 o'clock at night, although you know you should go to bed at 10. When you're behaving well, you get up off the couch at 10 o'clock, you go straight to bed, and you don't pick up your phone and play games on your phone. You get to bed, and you know that reading puts you to sleep, so at 10 o'clock, you get up, you walk to your bedroom, you get ready for bed, you jump in, and you read a book straight away. Which means you're going to get you know your amount of sleep that you know makes you perform better. Now what that does is it's the process that helps you get to the best outcome. So the best outcome is I need eight hours sleep. The process is I need to be in bed by ten and I need to read my book. When I'm unfocused, I'll stay up late. I'll play iPhone games in bed. I'll I'll have a coffee late at night. Then what we do with the process challenges, we kind of set at a period of time, and it can be anywhere from a month to 12 weeks, whatever you feel right, where you're not so much worried about the outcomes. It's not about the, the marathon at the end. You're focused more on trying to maintain those habits that make the better version of yourself. So in your process challenge, it might be, I have to go to bed 80% of, you know, I have to go to bed by 10 o'clock most nights of the week or you, and you determine what that is you might say 100% of the time then what happens is you're focusing on the behaviours that create the better version of yourself and and what in the in the workbook I've created a tick box that you can work through and at the, at the end of it you kind of figured out what are those greatest behaviours you know what are the greatest outcomes I have when I'm most focused what are the greatest behaviours that create that or what's the process that creates the outcome and then how can I focus on the process for the next period of time Imagine if you were in that place, what would be the outcome for your life? And I, I know from my own experience, when I'm sleeping well, when I'm eating well, when I'm focused around my time management, when I'm focused within my mental and emotional um, outlets and all those types of things, I feel like I'm flying in life because everything seems to go well. When I start to drop the ball on the process, when I'm playing iPhone games at night till two in the morning or um or I start to miss training or exercise because it's an emotional outlet for me, I start to slip in life. And the more we can identify those behaviours and and create an an awareness tool around how to stay on those behaviours, the more you're going to sit in that place that makes you feel that you're moving forward in your life. So that's what the process challenge is about. Um, The next one i got here in front of me, I was thinking maybe I should put music in between these, but I won't, I'm kind of just working along. The next one I have here in front of me is what we call critical moments. Now, and and, and critical moments is an interesting one because it kind of a little bit sits on top of, you know, time for rest. And time for rest is, well, when do you need to to, um, 
put your energy in for the bit for your day you know when do you need energy and how do you kind of manage that energy around the needs of the day and critical moment planning is, is probably more of a big a step back from that and to think to yourself what are those critical moments in my day and to pre-plan the behaviors that you're going to have in those place if I go back to what I was talking about before most days are, are probably 70% habit you know when you think about when you wake up in the morning and, and your routine around your morning getting ready for your day and most of that is just the same stuff every day and most of your day is probably just repeat habits so again if we go back to that energy space that we talked about those repeat habits don't take that energy but again if we think about most days there's probably an, and, and from my experience I've learned that most days only have around probably four, three to six critical moments and what do we talk about when we talk about critical moments critical moments are those moments in your day that really define you know the success of your day it might be a hard workout it might be a hard conversation you have it might be a, a very challenging task you have to achieve at work it might be you know within your hobby that there's one thing you're really trying to get on top of it's that moment in your day that you almost see coming and it might make you a little bit apprehensive a little bit fearful um you know you know that you're going to have to bring that that best version of yourself if you want to do the best you can in that moment. And critical moment planning is really around creating a, a tool or a system around how you can see those critical moments in your day and then how you can predetermine the behaviours you're going to have in those moments so that when you hit those moments, you're not just blind to what you're going to, the actions you're going to take in those moments. One thing I've learned a lot through my, my journey and and trying to create this content and helping others is that the more we can pre-plan the behaviors we're going to do at a tough moment, the more successful we are going to be in that moment. Let's say you have a work colleague and it's someone above your level, it might be your boss or your, your manager or something like that, and you know today you have to have a conversation with them that you're going to find very challenging because it's confrontational. Now, if you go into that situation and you haven't thought about the best way to approach it, and it's and it could be in a highly emotionally charged moment, it could go any way. Whereas if you could identify in the morning, let's say in the morning, that I've got this meeting coming up today, and here's what I want to achieve from this meeting. I want them to have understanding of where I feel, what I feel about the situation how they can best deal with the situation. Um, I also want to gain understanding of their side of the story so I can get a better perspective on the situation and so on and so on. So you think about, okay, well, this is a critical moment in my day. Here is what I'm trying to gain or need or do in this moment. And then, you know, through tools like visualization, um, planning, you know, and seeing the moment, you think about the actual things you're going to do in that moment. So you don't just... Uh, you don't just kind of go, well, I need, you know, here's a moment in my day I need to be careful of. It's here's a moment, here's what I want to get out of this moment, and here's what I'm going to do to get into this moment. So you might first of all decide that, as I said in my, my desk before I go and see my manager, I'm going to sit, I'm going to take a bit of a breather, just relax a little bit. Then when I go in the room, I'm going to, you know, feel, um, feel I'm going to experience how I'm going to, my posture is going to be, the tone I'm going to talk in. I'm going to 
see myself saying the words that I'm going to say that communicates this message in the right way. I'm going to feel myself listen to what they are saying back to me and so on and so on. So it's not that you just see the critical moment, you also spend some time planning the actions you're going to take at that critical moment. Now, when you do that, it doesn't always mean 100% of the time you're going to sit on, you know, the, the pre-planned actions will be what happens, but you do find, what well, my experience does show me that you do tend to go down that path a lot more and you are in a much better place in that critical moment because you've prepared yourself for it. And in the workbook, what we talk about is, first of all, devoting, finding a time in your everyday life where you can have a critical moment planning session. And I know for myself, I do it in the morning. I'm a morning person, so I'll wake up and then I'll, I'll read my, I've got a little kind of focus book I have. And then after I do that, I kind of just kind of scan my day and see the critical moments, those moments that will really help me get to the higher level of self. And then once I've seen those critical moments, I actually, I spend some time visualizing and I just spend some time thinking about what I'm going to, the actions I'm going to take at that moment. Now imagine if, you know, if we think back to most days, I only have, you know, five or six defining moments. Imagine how you feel at the end of the day when you've done those really well because you pre-planned those moments. And that's what we think about when we think about critical moments. So in the workbook, I've got a series of questions and it's kind of two parts. One part is, first of all, how do you set up a period of making a habit of doing that every day? And then what would you do within your own critical moment planning to make sure it becomes an effective tool that helps you perform at a high level? The next episode we talk about is uh, one called Where Was the Intensity? And this is a very fitness exercise based one. Um, the whole idea of it was episode 29 of Fitness Behaviour. And in this one here, the whole idea of was, you know, how do you learn to become more intense, to work to higher intensity in your workout? It's a really interesting time for fitness right now. You know, there's a lot of research coming into the high intensity workouts high intensity interval training which hits as a term I imagine a lot of you guys have probably heard a lot of recently and um, you know hits basically the philosophy is that in a very short period of time using interval type training where you go to your maximum effort it seems to be that you achieve much bigger results you know physically for your body and it's um you know, so there's a lot of workouts being designed. You know, the CrossFits of the world, Les Mills had a program called Grit. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of YouTube clips of people talking about hit workouts and stuff like that. And uh, they are really effective tools to making you really fit. But you've got to be able to work really, really hard to get the most out of those workouts. It's it's not really two out of ten on the intensity scale. It's it's really about working. You know, close to your ten out of ten for a very short period of time. And in this podcast, I really talked about how do you learn to work harder on your intensity scale. And intensity scale really is, you know, it's just basically, you know, we could go one to ten. You know, one being that you don't push the intensity at all. It's a walk in the park, you're having a conversation. Five being that, you know, you know you're exercising, but it's not that uncomfortable. Seven or eight, you're starting to feel uncomfortable. You wouldn't be able to maintain a conversation and you know and anything above that you are just kind of giving everything you've got and it's really interesting as an athlete the question I always got I've got a lot of over the years is you know were you just born mentally tough or is it something you develop and um, I can tell you I wasn't born mentally tough in my, my younger years I would say there was a period of time where I was actually very mentally weak um, and my mental toughness 
was something I developed through experiences of pushing myself through sport. And the intensity, where's the intensity podcast really talked around the tool of using that intensity scale to create awareness around where you are within your workout right now and then to explore a deeper level of intensity or when you get to your highest level how do you maintain it for a longer period of time and then how do you when it does start to fade away not let it drop away too much and really what we looked at is tools of measurement tools of um, intensity scales and those types of things so that when you exercise you can get the most out of it. You know, a little bit of that critical moment stuff comes into that as well. Is how do you pre-plan those moments in your workout where you know the intensity is going to be, you know, where you're going to have to give the most of yourself to your workout. And in, 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 the, in the workbook here, that's what we really go into is, you know, what kind of intensity do you bring to your workout right now? What are some tools you can use to become better at you you know get you know getting to your intensity in your workout and then how do you improve on those tools in your workout one of the things i find most interesting about intensity is that and for those of you who love intensity you'll you'll really know what i'm talking about here is intensity tends to deliver the most satisfaction from a workout you know those workouts where you've given all for a, you know a period of time you feel satisfied, you know, the reward is that satisfaction you get when you know you've kind of pushed your limits. And I know for myself, when I have a workout where I've kind of maybe gone half-hearted or no, I haven't really given what I should have, I have a sense of dissatisfaction within myself because of that. And one thing we want to think about when we exercise is, you know, that the reward is an important part of what we do. We want to feel that sense of satisfaction from our exercise. So if we can learn to sit in intensity and explore a deeper level of intensity, you'll you'll get a high level of fitness and the physical, but also you'll get a lot more rewards from your exercise. So in the workbook, that's what I kind of cover there is, is how do we kind of increase your level of ability to get good at intensity. The section seven, seven of the workbook, we've got two more sections to go. Section seven is... Um, we're episode 30 we're about to go deep and episode 30 was the hardest podcast i ever did um i revealed a um a level of self which i'd probably never revealed in a public way before um i'll probably go into detail now you can go back and listen to it um and it was one where the ultimate message was that sometimes there's a deeper problem that needs to be addressed if we want to progress forward in life and i talked about how i had this deeper problem in my life that I wasn't addressing, but it influenced the decisions that I was making in my life at that time. And until I was willing to address the the deeper problem, the problem that was really holding me back, I was going to restrict the decisions I was making in my life, which was ultimately holding me back from what I could be in my life. And it was a topic that was really interesting because I revealed sexual stuff about myself that made me very vulnerable. And I have to admit that when I released that show... I really thought, had I done the right thing? And it's, it's, it's always interesting when you're a content creator is, you know, feedback is the way you know if you've done a good job is when you've done a, some, you're a written piece or a, a podcast or anything, that when you get a lot of feedback on a positive light, you know you've done right. And, and this show here, once I released it, I was a bit doubtful if I'd done the right thing. But then I got so many messages from um, you guys in the audience telling me how this was a really important show for for them 
and uh, and 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 I think this is a really important lesson for all of us: is that a lot of us use certain behaviours to hide from something that's actually bigger. Um, and you know, it's funny. You know, I know I'm trying to encourage people to exercise, but often exercise is that thing as well. Like I know people who exercise in unhealthy ways because they're not willing to confront the deeper self, deeper thing they're trying to overcome. Um, the example of that, like, I have nothing against people exercising excessive amounts. Jeez, I, I, you're talking to a guy who, for you know, a six or seven year period of my life, exercised over thirty hours a week. Um, I, I understand that world, but there are people who will exercise through injury in a way that's really unhealthy because they feel they lose themselves if they don't exercise. Now, to me, the exercise gives them security, confidence, and esteem, and it's a really valuable thing. But they probably also need to spend some time figuring out the thing they're hiding from that's holding them back. And in, in episode 31 where I talk about my experience, it lifted a massive weight off my shoulder because I was willing to confront the thing that actually held me back the most. And once I did that, it was like my world opened up to so many possibilities. And it taught me that in my life, I need to keep working on those things that hold me back the most. And being, and, and, you know, it takes a bit of courage and having the right people around you and stuff like that as well. But also it's about spending the time knowing what that is. And to be honest, I imagine for you who's listening to this who know this, you know, as I talk about this, know there is that thing. For me, I, it was, wasn't that I had to spend the time knowing what it was. I knew what it was. It was really about me being willing to try to overcome what that was and how that restricted me in my life. So in this in the workbook, and I have to be honest, this is a very challenging part of the workbook. I ask some some questions that will confront you in challenging ways, but obviously you're doing it by self, and so you know that's that's there's safety within that. But you know the reason I'm doing this is because those types of questions and the, and the kind of pathway that I take you through on the workbook are designed to help you figure out a way to safely move towards overcoming and growing through that experience and helping you liberate yourself towards a place where that's no longer a problem in your life. Imagine right now if you are one of those people who has that, that weight on your shoulder, that thing you don't, you know, that you don't let anybody know about because you're embarrassed about it, because you think that they may see you as weaker. Imagine if that comes off your life. What possibilities does it open up for yourself? And that's what the section seven of the workbook we're about to go deep is all about. The last section of the workbook is... Um, one that I think is kind of important is the power to the people. And in the Power to the People podcast, which was episode, let me go, I'm just going to pull it up right here, is, where's it going? I'm just pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up. Episode 18 of Fitness Behaviour. Power to the People was was a really important lesson from my life, I, sp- I suppose, was um, that really, when you, when you devote your life being a great thing in other people's lives, the payoff is, you have a great life. Now, I know there might be some disagreements around that thought, but my experience in my time, like in in the podcast, I talk about how in my 20s, I was very much ego-driven and not in a way that was about an, an insecure ego. It was very much just about me trying to figure how can I be the best version of self and I spent my whole 20s exploring this and, and so I tried to be the best athlete I could be I tried to be the best instructor I could be I tried to be you know all these things about being the best I could be and 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 through that I always thought I would 
you know, one of the gains of that was that I gained credibility and respect from others. And I always thought, well, how can I use it in a way that's, that's good? But it, ultimately, it was always about me chasing, um, you know, my own growth. And while chasing my own growth is still an important part of my life, I had a friend called Suli, who I talk about in the show. And I talk about how Suli was amazing at liberating other people, at, at helping other people see what they could be and becoming that person in other people's lives who made their life better. Like one, I've, I've got affirmations that I read every morning, and, and one of the affirmations I read every morning is, um, when people spend time with me, their life will be better. When people spend time with me, their life will be better. And that's probably, I suppose, the ultimate message of that podcast but in the podcast, I kind of talked about it in a, in a way that wasn't altruistic. It wasn't that, hey, if you do this, you know, you're going to be a good person in the world. It was also that you end up with a better life because when you treat people well and you are the person in people's lives who makes their life better, they give you great energy back. They give you respect. They give you opportunities. They, you know, like I've learned this lesson. I spend my life doing this stuff and not a day goes by where I don't get the most amazing feedback from people telling me that they enjoy my work. And um, I can't tell you how rewarding that is. I can't tell you how satisfying that is. I, I, I can never say thank you enough to that stuff because it really makes my life great. I get so much back from that. And, you know, when we think about the people in our lives, we've got important people in our lives. It could be your family, friends and loved ones. It could be your workmates, it could be communities that you're in, is that you bring something to those those people, those outlets. And what is it that you bring? And is it making, you know, are you that thing in their life that makes their life better? And really, I ultimately believe if you work on that within yourself, that you end up in a place where your life is better because the thing you get back is massive. And so in the workbook, I spend time making you reflect about that stuff. First of all, what are you in the people in your life? What do you bring to them? What are their needs? And, you know, what, what are the people in your life? What are their needs? How can you be the person who helps them fulfill those needs? And then, you know, how do you also get that from those people as well? If you can spend your life overcoming this stuff and, and developing this stuff, I ultimately believe that, you know, your life ends up being better. So that's what that podcast is about. And that's what that section of the book, the workbook is about. That's pretty much all the topics we've got in the workbook. So I'll just quickly do a bit of a recap. So um, I don't really have a, I don't have a contents in the workbook. So you just have to kind of go through it. But first of all, we have the reset section. That's the whole idea of, you know, in your tough moments, when you've fallen off your rules, you reset back. And we've got a series of questions. Where to compare, comparison to um, things that are well above your level or are, are restrictive and how do you get to a place where you are focused on your own ability and go from there um, the next section we have within the workbook is I'm just pulling it up is time to rest that's where when do I need the best focus in my day and how do I what strategies do I put that in place then we have the process challenge which behaviors actually create my best outcomes in my life and then how do I create a way to focus on those for a period of time we also have the critical moments, a little bit around looking for your critical moments and pre-planning your behaviours for those times. Um, where's the intensity? How do you get more out of your workouts and how do you develop the skill of intensity? 
um, about to go deep, you know, you confronting the real things that hold you back in life, and then lastly, power to the people. The workbook is um, about 30 pages long, it's about 5,000 words, it's, it's, it's a lot of questions and I've got to be honest, the way I see it working is that you, you don't want to try and nut it out all at one time, it would be very mentally challenging to do that. You probably want to go back and listen to the podcasts around each each section of the workbook and you might choose a section that you feel really sits well with you right now, you might say okay I want to go into the deep ones straight away and I would spend some time on that that section alone by itself. Just some few tips, I you know, and then work through that section. Then sit in that for a period of time. Then you might go, okay, in two weeks I'm going to go and do the reset section. Or you know, you might, you know, I'm not going to say how you have to do it. Some people might go and just nut it all out in one weekend and do it that way. But the real value will come from sitting down, finding a space where you can work through the the kind of questions and guides that I have within the workbook, and to really help you kind of learn and and reflect and plan from that moment forward. The workbook will be on the website www.bevanjamesisles.com and if you're listening to this in the future just click on the section fitness behavior podcast and um, look for episode 36 that will be there uh, with on the website there. Again it's only $8 US you know like you know for less than $10 you're getting the workbook that can obviously or hopefully have some massive influence on your behaviors looking forward. So go to Isles and uh, fitness behavior. There'll be a little PDF and you can buy it from there. You know, I'm going to put some music on and we'll wrap up the show. Right, team, that's, that's pretty much this month's show. Just, just a couple of things on the workbook. I, I do recommend you probably buy a blank notebook to work beside it. Well, I ask questions and sometimes I don't leave a huge... There's probably, you know, five lines to write your own words in after each question, but a lot of some of them I imagine you'll probably want to elaborate a lot more on. So you may want to buy a workbook that you can sit beside, you know, or a notepad that you can sit beside the workbook as you're working through, the, you know, the kind of each chapter within the book. Anyway, that's up pretty much this month's show. I, I probably won't ask any emails this wet month because, to be honest, I just haven't actually done any kind of research <laughs> into the questions I have here. So if you have sent me through an email for this month, I'll get onto it into the new year. 2015, 2014, I should say, is, is an exciting time. You know, like if we look back on the year, um, you know, you look back, you know, as we say, what are those things you're really proud of? And, and I have some real key moments in my year that I'm very, very proud of. My running business has just gone from strength to strength and uh, you know I often talk about how do we get people to exercise and I think it's always really important as a content creator is to actually be doing the work yourself you know like it's the teacher who doesn't do the skill anymore you know like you let's say you're a hairdressing teacher and you stop hairdressing and uh, you know 10 years down the piece you might be able to be a great teacher but you're actually out of touch of what's happening in the real world and I always think that as a content creator am I making a real difference that I can practically show in the real world? And uh, with the running business and, and the team I have, we've got, I've got an amazing team of people around me. You know, we really are making a massive difference in people who weren't exercising at all. And, um, you know, we took a group of, oh, we had like over the last couple of weeks, had a couple of other runners achieve goals that they just never thought possible. And just the liberation of self is just so, so rewarding to watch. And, um, you know, you see these people just overcome massive barriers within themselves. And, you know, I don't know, it's for me, 
I'm just so proud of the work that my team and you know that we've managed to achieve and to be a part of those people's experience is pretty cool. I suppose the other thing for me this year, which will be, you know, something I'll take for me forever is my book. And I know I've talked a lot about the book, um, but I was a guy who couldn't spell. You know, I was a guy who couldn't spell three little words. I couldn't, you know, like I, I failed school. I didn't get the basic school qualification, you know, when I first left school. You know, a, a guy who... You know, in the end of the book, I write about how I remember going to a doctor, and I remember this experience, and it was really horrible. I remember going to the doctor and not being able to fill out the form because I couldn't spell, and um, and being just. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is? Can you imagine going up to the desk, kind of scribbling, and then asking what you put because you put scribbles because you made it look like you you had poor writing form, but you know you couldn't even spell your street name. And, uh, you know, I've achieved a lot through my life through exercise, but exercise was always the obvious thing for me. I, I loved exercise from day one of my life. I was kind of good at it. So, you know, the fact that I've made a career and a life out of exercise, you know, people who saw me when I was younger would have, you know, that would have been understandable. But the fact I wrote a book, if those people would have seen that now, um, you know, that I don't think they would have believed it. And to be honest, I wouldn't have believed it. And um, I, I went away for a week, I wrote a book, and, um, you know, it's something I'm very, very proud of. And next year will be really interesting because, you know, I've signed with a publisher now, which is exciting news. And uh, who knows where this book will go. And, you know, I'm, I just don't know. I don't know if it will be something that will be big or something that will just be that thing I did. But I think, you know, if I've, I've, I suppose ultimately, is, and it's probably a good way to leave this year, is that, Keep working on yourself. You know, we can all grow and we can all develop ourselves and, and we all have things that we need to work on. And, you know, spelling and reading and all those types of things for me, the only reason I ever got to the point where I could write a book was because I was willing to overcome something, you know, when I was 19, that was a life skill that I really didn't have. And I just kept kept chucking away at it. You know, it's 16 years later. And, and to be honest, I'm still not the greatest writer and this book will be edited well, I'm sure. But, you know, you've just got to keep working on yourself. Keep working on yourself, guys. It's, you know, ultimately, I suppose, if there's ever an, uh, an overall message of what I do, you know, keep doing that. Thanks for a great 2013. I, I really do appreciate everything you guys do to help promote the podcast. You know, people who share the podcast, um, the feedback I get on the podcast. You know, like I just, I feel very lucky. I lead a very privileged life and I feel very lucky that I get to do what I do and it's only because you guys support me. So thank you so much for everything you do for me and um, and I hope you have a wonderful time with your loved ones over the Christmas season and and uh, you have some pretty ambitious goals for 2014. I'll see you guys next month and uh, rock and roll.